Salutations and welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Varakis, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore V. What's going on, Jojo V? Are you dying, my love? You know what? I, I wanted to record this show only like a couple of days ago. When I was dying. And I was absolutely fine and I wasn't bunged up uh, and I wasn't feeling the way I feel. <laughs> I mean, that's it- me. That's me with the remnants of the yeah the impending death that i had yeah both of us are slightly suffering i'm not even like overly suffering I, okay fair enough i had a bit of a hangover from last night as it was uh, a work christmas do but i'm now suffering from what you had pretty much the whole of last week and that bubs has had for about three weeks yeah it's nursery gems nursery gems are the worst yeah they're like you know like prehistoric gems that we haven't been exposed to for a long time and then when we get them they really knock us out yeah it's like the equivalent, I guess, of the plague. But I'm suffering like all those weeks afterwards um, while everyone else is okay. And I'm here soldiering on for the sake of this podcast and for you lovely listeners. And it's not even like, you know, like in radio shows where you can just like replace the host, you know, for a one-off show because they're, they're unwell. They've like... Should I have done this solo? Should I have done this solo? Should I have done this solo? We're clearly talking about that. Obviously not. Uh, but you could I have. I can't had... hear out my ear. I'm deaf in my right ear at the moment. I can't. I literally. I mean, I genuinely like. I can't hear. I have to put subtitles on TV because if I'm eating and watching TV at the same time, I can't hear what's being said. Yeah, I think I think it's selective hearing. If I'm honest, genuinely, it's not. I think she's just like trying to play that card because my dad genuinely. plays that card, and you know how I said that you're slowly like the way Bubs is morphing into my dad. Like you also in I a way. I think you'll find you're morphing into your dad. I nah, am not. No, nah, you complain as much as my dad does. Now you've got selective hearing like my dad does. You know. It's, so you married your dad. Wow. You're <laughs> fucked in the brain. But you know what? I'll put it, I'll put it down to the fact that because you, you're sick, because you're a sick person at the moment, you're obviously sick in the mind. So only a sick person comes up with that kind of like fucked up shit. You sicko. Can't even deny when, it he, when, <laughs> when he gets ill, he gets really nasty. Um, it's just the way he is. It's it's what's called man flu. You know what? You can take this man flu. I and uh, so this, and what? This, take this man flu. Yeah, I've had it. it up your ass I, had, is what I was going to say. I, I was trying to be all gentlemanly because I know I'm not going to be brought down to your like you know sick levels. But I was trying to be gentlemanly, and you're just like taking. Do you, know what you it need to, to this, do? You know what you really need to do. Just take a Lemsip and get over it. So we decided to, um, this show was originally supposed to be out last week and we were going to record it last weekend. And we decided to wait off a week because obviously Jojo B wasn't feeling very well. I mean, I was in bed. Like I couldn't even get out of bed. No one cares. All right. Now the real reason, the real reason that we decided to wait off was not only the big bombshell of Jojo B being sick, 
But also we had the small matter of the general election oh, last yes. week. Let's not talk about that. Let's just forget it ever happened. All right. So should we just delete like the entire this half of the show then? And just no, like just but let's talk just about nothing. Delete everything. And just bury your heads in the sand and hope that when we bring our heads back out of the sand, you know, it all would be better. And we can just forget that this whole last 10 years and the next five years have ever happened. All right. So um, my first question, what did you think about it, Jojo B? I can just delete that off the record. I'm just giving everything away straight away. <laughs> Everyone like, knows what happened. They don't so know what I'm happened like, in the general let's election. Let's talk about the generation. The fuck fuck, fuck the generation. Let's not talk about it. Fuck climate change. Like, I don't it's talk really, about it. really like... It's really not good. And I know people might vote Tory and think that it's a great thing. I didn't. And I don't think it's a great thing. And I think that if you had any humanity, you would never have done that. You would never have voted um, Tory because because Labour was just trying to save fucking society. And instead, society's fucked and we're all going to be sent back home on a ship. Mm. You know, I've, I kind of I haven't spoken about it too much on my social media. Um, I briefly mentioned what my thoughts on the matter were the next day. Um, I thought I'd probably save my thoughts for this podcast. You know, we record this show for the purposes of putting our opinions and our views across, and uh, this is the platform for me to talk. And on reflection of everything, it's like, what's the point? You strive to do. <laughs> everything you can um i'm talking about like the campaigns from all these parties um specifically one party going like really hard on how the opposition were going to affect everyday people and hitting them in like the worst possible ways um everything that is anything to do with the working class which i kind of feel was a majority of this country would have benefited hugely from one particular party and like have i lost faith in the british public like am i proud to be british yes do i have any faith in the british public no i think the problem here is the inherent racism within our society has reared its ugly head again it never went away but it just went quiet for a while and um and that was more pressing and more important and people were more passionate about that than um, like actually kind of having a better life for themselves, their kids, their grandkids, Yeah, you know, because fuck all of that. We just want to get rid of the packies, basically. And I always said that Brexit was always going to be about immigrants that look more like me and you than they did anybody else. Ones who are obviously immigrants by just looking at their faces and that's exactly what it's become. Mm. People are now, I mean, it's only been a few days and there's just stuff all over the place about people being getting racist abuse. Mm. Um, and because it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's been made okay. It's been legitimized by a man who said a number of racist things being voted in. And there's just, it, and there was a lot of like Asians who voted for him. Yeah. yeah. But they also had their own racist agenda. Yeah, Let's not yeah, forget yeah. that we are the worst amongst the racists. No, of course. Like, you know, you know I they, know plenty of people like, especially the Hindu community, specifically even Gujarati community that, you know, I was looked at as that token minority uh, amongst like conservative Tory circles. So I know 
I don't, I don't say I know a load of Asian people that voted for Conservative, but I do know uh, of people within my friend circle that did vote for the Conservatives. Like, and there was a lot of influence from India. And it was everywhere that the the overseas friends of the BJP yeah. were outwardly kind of saying, Labour, they support anti-Indian um, sentiments yeah. and, you know, they're pro-Muslim and so that means they're anti-Hindu and so yes. you should always vote for the Conservatives. Totally. And that was propaganda that was coming. And in those areas, actually, Labour still won pretty strongly. Uh. But that's not to say that that narrative wasn't there and that narrative is rife. Yes, within a very specific Indian group yeah. of people. Yeah. I'm not saying they're all Gujarati. There's a lot of, you know, Punjabis no, who no, have that kind of, of same, mentality yeah, same, and stuff absolutely. as well. There's loads of stuff about Sikhs who hate Muslims doing, you know, voting Tory as well. <laughs> and it's all just shameful. Yeah. It's so shameful that we're the kind of immigrants that will pull up the ladder on other immigrants. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. or that think we're better than anybody else. When actually everyone has to be united in this struggle against this now gonna, what is going to be rife racism. Yeah. Because it's not, they don't, they don't care. They're not going to ask you, are you Muslim? They're not going to ask you where you're from. Are you, you know, a refugee? They're going to see the color of your skin. Yeah. Uh, or are you wearing, you know, your traditional gear if you're going somewhere or whatever. And they're going to egg you or they're going to beat you or they're going to shout at you, abuse in your face. Mm. Whatever. You're going to get it because that's the world we live in. And... I feel a bit despondent about it and we sound really despondent about it. But I think the way that we can change this is by the people who don't feel that way. The people that do want to make society better, actually actively going out to make society better themselves and not relying on on politicians to do that. So go yeah. out and get involved with charities. Go and find out where your food banks are. Go and see what you can do yourself to help within your local communities to help those people that are now going to suffer massively yeah. as a result of this result. Yeah. Just to play kind of devil's advocate, I still feel those kind of events would have still occurred, regardless of which government came in. It would but, not have been legitimised by those people. Yeah, it wouldn't have been legitimised. Absolutely, I, I agree with you there. But this is the current situation right now in society, regardless of who was in power. So it's, I think, I, I think, know. I think the thing with the, the referendum vote, it opened up those, that, that rhetoric in people's minds. But and I, so, Sorry, carry on. And so deep down, regardless of what, who came into power, that's not going to change people's thought process. It's not going to change people's ideals. The same people that voted in the conservatives right now are still those people, the, the elder 50 to 75 bracket there was like a 60 65 percent turnout young adults didn't turn up which is what the whole thing was about in 2017 with the labor campaign and it didn't happen this time around and the same people that voted for the referendum are the same people that voted for the conservatives right now people's people's ideals and their mentalities haven't changed but, in that time but i feel like if it had gone the other way people would have had to crawl back into their little shells and shut up with their racist views. Again, know. they would have had to, they would have realised that actually, no, wider society does not accept this. It is not okay. People don't want to hear your rhetoric. That's what would have happened. So it might not have stopped them from being racist, but it would have stopped them from being openly racist and it would have stopped them encouraging other people, other further generations to be racist and also realise that 
their opinion is not the general opinion. Mm. Now they think that their opinion is the general opinion and our voice is in the minority and that we're, you know, upper middle class liberals or whatever yeah. who, you know, or socialists. And I don't even understand why people are so scared of just basic humanity, which is what socialism is, which is, you know, looking after everybody. It's the greater good. I don't get why we have now become in a society like America where, and it's, you know, it's no coincidence that Steve Bannon's come over here and yeah, this has all been happening. It's that society of everyone's out for their own. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're out for themselves and we cannot work together to have a um, social welfare system for everybody that deserves it because that person deserves to be in their position. They haven't worked hard enough to get out of that position. And this is working class people with no jobs, generations of people who lost their livelihood because the industries went under Thatcher, yeah. who are now voting for the Conservatives. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. just perpetuating this thing. And they are the ones who are going to suffer the worst, but they're going to continue to to blame us. Yeah, they're going to continue to blame immigrants without understanding that actually Ian Duncan Smith is waiting to take their benefits away. Mm. You know, universal credit is one of the worst things that ever happened to this country. And it's only going to get worse now. Yeah, yeah, whole, wholeheartedly. <gasps> um, just watch I, Daniel Blake. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, if you really don't understand how it works, just watch I, Daniel Blake and get an understanding of actually how it affects the, the normal person. Yeah. I think, yeah, absolutely. I think for, for us and our, our community, I think it, this really is um, a real pivotal point on exactly where we stand because we will now going forward uh, get told to, you know, go back to where you came from and, you know, this isn't your country and we proved it right. It's the 80s and you know. early 90s. Again. Yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all resurfaced. And back then in the 80s, well, the late 70s and the 80s, you know, we we came together as a collective community and, you know, we stood up against it rather than, you know, think, oh, do you know what? And I was Because I was talking about this, like, where else could we live in the world? You know, where, you know, if this is all happening, the NHS is going to go. It's like one of the only things that are actually worth staying here for. Without it, what the fuck's the point? Um, but why should we go? We've all earned the right to live in this country. A lot of us born and bred here. We're as British as the next man. But they've what used divide and conquer. So they've said, all right, you lot are all right. It's that lot over there that are the problems. So differentiate yourself. Yeah, but that's, you know, that's say, it. But I, that's... Well, I'm Asian, but I'm... No, not, we're not even allowed to say we're Asian anymore. We have to say, no, but I'm Hindu Gujarati. Yeah. You know, or whatever. Or I'm, you know, Sikh Punjabi. Yeah. And so you can't be seen to be one of those. Yeah. And that's the difference between yeah. what happened in the 70s and 80s where everybody was collectively known as black. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And everyone stuck together or, you know, mostly they did. And now, which is everyone's very fragmented and um, segregated and just trying to cover their own back. Yeah, exactly. So this is what I mean. We can't let those flames fuel the fire for us within our communities. We've got to come together. Collectivism is the way. Like We have to stick together. We have to be united. And that's the only way that anything will get done to make things better again. It will get worse for yeah. five years. It's going to be hard. And lots more people are going to die. Like, I know this sounds really depressing. Lots of people have died under this under this regime that we've been living in. And that's going to continue because the NHS is going to get worse. Homelessness is going to get worse and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But we need to realize that we have a heart and we need to start using it. 
Yeah, and we need totally. to start taking care of people in our society. Yeah, yeah. And, definitely. you know, and that's, I mean, maybe that's the bit where we leave it. Maybe we just say we've got to work, we've got to be better people and we've got to be the... Um, the sign of change that we don't want this to be the way that we go yeah we don't want yeah. the racism and the the kind of division to be the way that we go we actually now just unite ourselves rather than having to wait for the government to change things we change things in our own local communities i think that's that's the key thing it's more within ourselves and our people you know us as a working class as a whole in the uk um that it's very divided because clearly a lot of working class people voted for the conservatives but when you look at our communities and how together we once were against what is a very similar regime to what you're currently seeing right now, and we took those powers and and on head on basically to I didn't mean as in like the Asian community, which we also need to do. We need to find that unity again, but I meant just the communities we live within. Mm. So however da- mixed that is or not mixed, whatever it is, we yeah. make the effort to make where we live and the people who live around us, we make sure that we're all okay. Yeah. You know, we try and raise money to open new centers and things like that or keep them open that kind of before stuff. the Tories shut them down yeah because that's what they're doing they're taking they're taking away from money from councils and then councils are not able to fund them yeah. so that's why we have to step in and i know that becomes then a personal cost but it's only for the greater good it's only so that our kids are going to be okay it's only yeah. so that we're going to be okay you know so i mean that's my that's my view on things i might sound like an idealist but that's what I'm looking into. I was looking into how I can help our local food bank today. Mm. And that's my intention. I'm going to start trying to volunteer my time. If you can't afford it in terms of money, yeah. see if you can afford it in terms of, in terms of your time. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, collectiveness and the ability to progress together, I guess, is the only way to move forward in the face of adversity. Anyway, we also had a very special day this past week. Yeah, on a much happier note. On a much, a very much happier note. One of the most joyous days of, uh, like, ever, basically. Our bubs turned the grand old age of one. I can't believe my baby is one year old. A year old. A year on from you, like, feeling some abdominal pains that that seem to, you know, grow and manifest. I like, love. I don't think we can go to Brent Cross today. Yeah. Um, and on our way to the to the hospital and 12 hours later, uh, our bubs was here in the world. Yeah. And that's been a whole year. Um, we weren't, we've obviously spoken about this already in mass detail on our show on our baby, which is one of the first few episodes of season two of the Native Immigrants podcast. So we were going to bore you with all those details again, but... You know, we reflect on a year since he was born and, sorry, sniffily, not out of emotion, out of physical pain. Um, it's been a... I mean, he says that in the same breath as talking about me giving birth. I'm just, just going to say. It's been a roller coaster <laughs> of emotions. It's been so much trials, tribulations, a real learning curve, learning things within ourselves more than anything else. Um, but, you know... It, when you see him and the way he's grown, the way he's developed, the way he learns, the way he formulates words, uh, the smiles, you know, the laughs, even the cries, it just, yeah, it just shows how far, I guess, we've come. 
And he started giving hugs now, which is like the best thing ever. He just comes over and just gives you a hug. Yeah. Which is which the is best. very he's, he, at one point he was extremely non-affectionate and I think in the last few weeks purely I think because of being at nursery all day and he doesn't get, doesn't get a chance to see us. And he misses uh you know only during the evenings and so I think yeah he's like you know he yearns some some good loving. He needs his huggies and his kisses from his mummy and daddy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um but yeah, he's been he's been giving it giving it good uh, the last few days for his birthday, and we celebrated that with our respective families and cut a lovely cake. Shout out to Cavs Cupcake Store, who also did pretty much all the cakes for all the big events of our last few years. Yes, she made a gluten free cake. Yeah, so that I could eat it. Yeah, and it was delicious. It was it was amazing. You know what? I you know I'm always skeptical about gluten free. Um, all of you lot are. We are. Um, but it was amazing. And so we highly recommend her for all your future uh, celebrity needs. If you're in West London, yes. Yeah. Oh, you're in West London, I guess. Yeah. Well, we should ask her whether she's able to travel, you know. Well, you could probably right go price. and pick it up from her. I don't think she's going to travel to you if you're in like Leicester or whatever. Obviously, yeah. But, you know, if you fancy a trip to West London. Indeed. Best time to indulge. Can uh, we also say that he got... He got a Mercedes for his birthday. He got a Mercedes. He got a Mercedes. Yeah. He's petrified of it yeah. at the moment, but he got a, a Mercedes that he can uh, ride along. Yeah. One of these toy Mercedes that he can sit on <laughs> and kind of do his, do his bits on. Um, but yeah, his, uh, <laughs> we need to put all the stickers and shit on there. I think your dad was, I think your dad bought it more like living vicariously through him in yeah, a way. Yeah, he was like, he has to have a Mercedes. Yeah. You know how like, 80s Asian parent thinks. Yeah. yeah. It's mad how people still have that that notion that the Mercedes is like, it's the car to have. Mercedes. It's a lovely car. If someone wants to, if Mercedes would like to donate a car to us, yeah. feel free. Absolutely. You know, it's like we're, you know. We're I'm, open to those kind of gestures. We're open to opportunity. Yes. And so, you know, we're, if, if, you, if you have to, we'll take it off your hands. Um, so what's been happening So in the last few weeks? Well, Joja B went to go see one of her uh, faves. I did. And I met her. Yeah. You had to share, bruv. So I went to see Nadia, the lovely greatest baker, Nadia. Yeah. Uh, talking about her new book, Finding My Voice. Okay. Which is, um, I haven't, I'm going to own up, I haven't read it yet but yeah. i have a copy and it's signed awesome. um it's on my list i'm very far behind in my reading it's gonna be um, on ebay next week watch but um it is all about her, the role different roles that she finds that she finds herself playing in life so from going from being a daughter all the way being to being a mother um all the different roles that she's played across the years in her life and and the issues that she's had to deal with and Obviously, she's been very open about her anxiety issues. So that kind of stuff yeah. is all included in there. I'm really looking forward to reading it. Very, very much so. Um, but she was lovely. She's really funny. Yeah, no, she. I think she. I think her, she's come into her own personality-wise now. When yeah. you watch her on BBC. She has like a um a very dry sense of humor. Yeah. And she was yeah just really engaging and really interesting to hear her stories and they weren't like they just sounded very familiar i think we could we've all if you come from 
that South Asian background probably can relate to a lot of the stuff that she was talking about. She talks, she talked a lot about her bullying um, that she suffered at school, which was horrific. And um, a little bit about um, sexual abuse that she suffered when she was younger. Um, And that's all covered in the book as well. So some really like big issues and then, you know, stuff like, winning Bake Off yeah and actually the process what was really interesting was what was happening to her just before she went on to Bake Off and how and I won't give it all away but just how much of a big part her husband has played yeah absolutely in all of this and he you know in himself has become a bit of a heartthrob yes um and you know he's a good looking guy and just you know just I think people have fallen in love with the idea of them as a couple because quite often especially i think with muslim couples it's seen as the woman's very submissive and the guy is really like dominant and horrible and doesn't respect his wife or whatever and actually here's a very loving couple who had a very traditional arrangement yep um but uh are just a very kind of strong happy in love couple yeah um who renewed their wedding vows Big up. See, they did she it. She lucked out, fam. They did it. Went yeah, well, it as well. Let's see if we get to... How many years have they had together? I don't know. I can't remember. I mean, they've got like three kids. I'm sure one of them is like... One of them's just turned a teenager, I think. A teenager? Yeah, because she got married when she was like 19. Oh, shit. Okay. Because, and also, she talks about the colorism she faced. Oh, of course. Yeah, Because yeah. she's a lot darker than a lot of the members of her family. <sighs> and um, she said that they kind of go on a spectrum from one, like her, one of the siblings being very very fair to her being yeah. the darkest in the family and how she got told she'd never get married and nobody would ever want her right so she got married to prove everybody wrong basically right, yeah. um and yeah the colorism that she's faced along the way but and then, that kind of stuff yeah i i don't i see that but then have you noticed how she on tv has been made to look lighter and lighter and lighter it's since just the makeup first though isn't it but like i surely to embrace the fact that you know, she, you know, I remember the first couple of uh, weeks of Bake Off, you could see like her actual complexion. And then you well, see that. Of- so there's a lack of makeup. She didn't, was, again, what I'm saying is if you understand what was going on in her life at that point, yeah. you'll see why she looked maybe quite, not quite as um, glowy as she does now. Right. Because she had a lot of shit going on. Mm. And again, that affects everything, including, you know, like the state of your skin. Yeah. So it will dull anyone's skin with what was going on with her life and right. how she was in her health and the way she was just generally in life and how she was feeling. Yeah. So that will be reflected on your outside as well. So I'm not saying that, you know, they haven't put slightly lighter makeup on her or they've put brighter lights on her or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, there's been a transformation in how she is as a person from the inside. And I yeah. think that reflects on the outside as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, like I said, she comes across as a really lovely person. She genu- I mean, she genuinely was. I told her about the podcast. Awesome. I said that we would be mentioning her on it. So she was Big like, send, send it to me. I want to listen. So we'll do that and see if she does listen. Yeah, if you're listening right now, Nadia, to our show, tweet saying that I'm listening to the Native Immigrants podcast right now. And also right we now. love you very much and you're a great inspiration and genuinely like one of the most famous Asian people on the on TV yeah. and you are so positive for our community and I think it's really important that you are there doing what you're doing yeah. which is not, you know, kind of 
being on TV for being an Asian, but being on TV because you're a baker, you're a cook and you're very good at what you do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're a very positive role model. Totally. And and for for championing our communities and championing her roots on television yep. as well at the same time. You know, it's, she's she's never afraid to to push the fact that she's of Bangladeshi origin and, you know, her family and everyone on the shows on all her shows reflect that as well. Um, it's just a really positive role model for our communities. It was really nice to hear also that her family really don't give a shit. So she's just like, they really ground her because they yeah. don't care. No, they don't well, yeah, care that she has books. They don't care that she's on TV. They're just <laughs> like, you know, like normal siblings that are like, yeah, yeah. and what? Yeah. You know, I'm a doctor or whatever, like, and what? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and that's quite nice. It's very important to have. And also, I love, and I, sound, I know I sound really like a sycophant, but I really also love that she's really good friends with Tan now. <laughs> God's sake. Because that all <laughs> your that's a crew people, that I really want to yeah, join. Yeah, all your favourite people seems to have like a click and like you, you just want to do whatever <laughs> you can to be a part of it, whether it's like some crazy initiations <laughs> Or like, you know, some some mad thing you have to do. But imagine to the dinner party conversations. It would be great. Imagine there's some secret handshake that they all kind of do when they see each other. And like, you're like, I want to know what it is so I can be part of that. Uh, can I also take this chance to say that Tan has got a new um, Instagram account called Shaded. Okay. And it's all about... Um, like you know just colorism and kind of fighting against colorism he has a real thing about fairness creams and this obsession with being fair and lovely and so he is representing or he's trying to kind of champion people of all skin tones yeah uh from all races not just asians but just kind of really like champion them and say actually this is beautiful whatever color you are yeah it's beautiful your skin color doesn't take away from your beauty or add to your beauty in any way you're all beautiful and um yeah i just i think it's a really really cool um instagram account that he started awesome big up to tan Big up to Nadia. Make sure you follow their movements and check out both their books that came out this year. Uh, I also was out and about uh, at a showcase night. Uh, another one this year that I've been Schmoozing. To. Schmoozing. Yes, this is for uh, the BBC Asian Network and the Future Sounds live event that happened a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, it was, you know, we've spoken about, you know, the British Asian scene and the music industry on a few shows uh, recently speaking about the history of British Asian music uh, on one of our shows and we're talking about the future and what the future holds right now, you know, for the scene as a whole. And this was a night to showcase future talent, well, talent right now, today's talent and, you know, ones to look out for in 2020. And you know what? It was actually a really interesting night. I was I saw a lot of people again that I haven't seen for a long time. So it was it was nice. It was like the the young generation that were just out there kind of doing the thing and making a name for themselves. And then you had like the older generation people in, in my group and the bracket, old men. the old men, old men <laughs> in the club, you know, standing in the back like two step in. So like so the tunes in the background, two step in with my drink and my two step. Um and it was yeah, it was just it was really nice. There was some uh there was actually some really good acts. Uh, Prems performed. Um, you know, we've spoken about Prems uh, once or twice before in the show. Uh, you know, great tunes, great vibe, good guy as well. But there was a, a girl called Aramia who is uh, a rapper of. I, I'm not sure exactly what origin she is or which which Asian she represents. Um, Mia is usually a um, Bangladeshi. Bangladeshi, Bangladeshi setting, yeah. yeah. So I'm assuming that's where she's. Uh, that's what her lineage is. Um, but she was really good, awesome. 
you know I'm, we've spoken about it not so much on the show actually once or twice on here as well but where are the the female british asian mcs and like how lost soldier was pretty much the only one mm. um but like aramia just awesome great flow okay. great look great vibe um and you know she could just as easily compete with any like female mc regardless of what your cultural background is um and so that was really really great to see um and there's another girl called selena sharma i think her name was she's australian um really good voice really good look great kind of package all round. okay um you know a number of different acts that performed that night but it just showed that you know what there is a lot of great diversity within uh not only our scene um culturally um uh, but that it's in a it's in a really good place to to build on for more and more people to get involved it's good the future sounds bright the future does sound bright um and so yeah went into it with a little bit of skepticism but came out with it with a lot of optimism and um you know shout to everyone that i saw that day and everyone did say to me when are you gonna get back on the saddle you know like to mix it up with these whippersnappers um so yeah maybe something to look into for 2020 you know the 20s revival the 20s revival yeah i've come from the era of the great depression and that's exactly the kind of music that i'll end up putting out as there's well. another one coming don't worry yeah it might, imp- it might like encourage you to do some music well yeah exactly do you know what I mean start to ration out all our alcohol and shit as well at the same time um, <laughs> they're not gonna do prohibition, prohibition they make too much shit, money yeah. with the alcohol <laughs> <laughs> um lastly you want to mention a couple of restaurants that we checked out recently as well oh my god so bubs went to nursery and so we got a couple I mean in between all of his many illnesses that he's had in like the three weeks of nursery that he's had uh we managed to get out on a couple of date days couple of date days uh something that we spoke about last season was how we wanted to get out and about more <laughs> to check out restaurants and do some reviews for it for the, for the and, podcast you know, rekindle the romance that as well it's been um, on hold for a little while because we've been busy looking after a baba yes um but mostly to taste some amazing food yes and also to eat yes. food first romance second romance third food first drink second romance third i think that's the that's where we are in life right now after the first two the last one doesn't usually happen you just end up falling asleep yeah i'm too stuffed for any kind of romance to be fair yeah just turn over and go to sleep yep good night anyway so <laughs> the the first one uh, was actually somewhere that we've spoken about also uh, on a previous show uh-huh. in that we got sent an amazing package from uh, this restaurant just after our baby was born. It was like a care package. Yeah, as a celebration meal for us. And also just, you know, to remind us that there was good in the world because we didn't feel like there was at that point. Yeah, because by that point, our, our families had pretty much abandoned us and all we had was us against the elements. And we just needed like a shining light to come in via a delivery van and save us from the pits of hell in the form of an amazing Indian feast. Yes. So I want to big up Dumb Biryani House in Soho, London. On Wardour Street. On Wardour Street. And our brother Dhruv Mittal, who is the founder and owner of this place. Uh, He has been uh, a big champion of biryani the biryani king of london as i've I've called him before 
And we thought, you know what? It'd be a good chance to actually check out the restaurant itself and savor these delights in person. Yep. So we did. And um, in terms of the look and the feel, it's it's kind of got a, a little bit of a like a bohemian chic vibe to it. Yeah, it's like in a basement. Yeah. And it's got really cool artwork everywhere. Yeah, I think immediately that's what caught my eye. There was a lot of like hate copy pieces on the wall. Yes. Uh, which was like, which immediately tells you this is a guy in the cool. But there's also like a couple of pieces of like, you know, like just um, abstract kind of Indian like fashion trends and things like that as well as kind of some old school Bollywood as well at the same time. And there was like loads of kind of cozy little corners, like private little corners yeah. if you want to have little kind caves. of hideaway. There was like a couple that went into little corner, the young couple who obviously just wanted to hide away from everyone, have a romantic meal. and To get away from up. their strict parents. Yeah, I mean, they were that age, so yeah, probably. Yeah, um, but it was just really nice and like... It was nice and vibey. Yeah, and absolutely. The food did not let us down. Yeah, exactly. You know, the thing with that, the you know, restaurant food reviews is, you know, you expect to come on here and then, uh, you know, we watched about MasterChef recently, professionals, and there's, you know, a lot of brutal criticism some of the time. But, you know, we can't come on here and lie and say, do you know what, the food, some some of it was okay and some of it wasn't so great. It It just happened to be amazing. Like everything that we savoured that day was some some of the best biryani I've ever had. Oh my God, the biryani was so good. Yeah, so I had the vegetable biryani. I had the chicken one. So we both had a whole biryani pretty much each. Uh, they're made for two at least. Yeah. We had one each. I didn't finish it. We got a takeaway. We only got a blade. Yeah, that fed us for the next two, three days at <gasps> least. So good. Awesome. Really, really good biryanis. Uh, we had some like uh, some really good starters as well that day. And there's like lovely little side bits that come. Yeah, with the biryanis. The the ajar, the pickle. Yeah. I need, I mean, I forgot to ask that day, but Driv, if you're listening, I need like a jar of it. Yes. Because I'm obsessed with it. That with some bronte would be so good. Yeah, I think you'd have been happy to give you some as well. We I were just know, being too polite. Stupid, we were stupid just being way to too ask. polite. Um, but yeah, and he has this like really nice kind of sambal as well um, as part of the the three little side bits. Oh yeah, you know which was uh, awesome, like a well. peanut-y peanut thing. Yeah, exactly. It was delicious. Yeah, never had one of those before or tried anything like that. Um, but it just worked so amazingly with the biryani. Just kind of you know cut straight through it. I'm not gonna lie, my mouth's watering right now. Mm. Thinking about it, my mouth's watering, my nose is running, all the sensations in it. He's a drip fest. Yeah. <laughs> Eyes watering, nose watering, mouth watering. Um, but yeah, big up Dumb Biryani House. It's like, honestly, it's like I've had a lot of biryanis in my time. This is one of the best ones. It's up there with some of the best biryanis ever. Delish. Um, and so I highly, highly recommend it. Um, we also went to go check out Indian Accent. Not the same day. Bruv. Like, it was the next we're day. We're not animals, fam. It was the next day. Yeah, it was the next day. <laughs> well, it was actually, it was only like a, like a few days apart. So we don't even oh, yeah, overcome like a, it was like Friday one and Monday. massive gorge fest of Indian food. Then we decided to partake in another one. Um, very different cuisine. Yeah, this is a kind of Indian accent, if you don't know about them. Are, there's three restaurants. So there's one in Mumbai, which is, uh, no, sorry, in Delhi, which is the um, original and is, I think, currently voted the best restaurant in India. Wow. 
Um, it's in one of those posh hotels. Couldn't tell you which one though. Wow. Um, As you can see, we've done our research. Yeah, this show. I know. Um, and then there's one in London, obviously, the one that we went to. And then there's one in New York. Yeah. Uh, I think the new, the London one is the newest one. And it was lovely. It was really good. Um, I would say, as a, as a, I can't even use the word criticism. Just, you know, my personal preference. Mm. I really liked the starters that we had. I had this amazing, like, burrata, papri chaat thing. Uh, it like looked a, really say, good. Like a, like a, it was like a, a papri chaat with burrata in it. Say it again, say it again. Burrata. 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 What, how do you say it then? Burrata. Burrata. I mean, probably not. It's, it's an Italian product. It's it an Italian like, word. I've got so, burrata. clogged up full of snot. Burrata. Anyway. I like the way you che- say it. I mean, it's cheese, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, cheese with barbary chart. How can you can't, cannot go wrong? It was like, what? Like, and, it, and it's like the taste sensations that you get from, like, like you know, the, the little puria uh, in it with, like, all the little chutneys that are based around it with, like, the the massive amount of cheese in the middle. Like, what, what, what could go wrong? It was absolutely I... sublime. I had so I I had a veggie main, but I had a meat starter, which was like these chili ribs. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, like the masala on it was just unbelievably tasty. So good. Again, my mouth is watering thinking about it, and the meat just fell off the bone. Beautiful. Mm. I could have eaten like I could have just eaten a big plate of those and been done. Yeah, people have been frowned upon, but yeah, I guess. Um... You know. They need to have that as a main. Well, the mains is where I, I kind of had my slight kind of, I don't know. Well, we went with the lunch menu, so it's a little bit more limited than yeah. the the a la carte. Yeah. Because um, the lunch deal is very, very good. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of, in terms of Yeah, in terms of affordability, um, you know, and um, the amount of food that you get, which at first doesn't seem like that much, but actually when you've consumed like three courses of it, it's like you could you could pretty much write off the rest of your working day, to be fair. Yes, um, but yeah, I, I guess like the start, the main for me was was good. It was yeah, we had the same thing, didn't we? Because yeah. I was like, I'm gonna get food envy. It was this paneer thing, and I was like, I'm gonna get food envy, and so I got it as well. It's paneer pinwheel. Yeah, yeah, pinwheel of paneer with like it had some sag and some other bits around there. It wasn't quite what I expected it to be. Maybe we went into it with with too much of a you know like an expectation. Yes, and then it uh, what it delivered was nice, but. Uh, yeah, I kind of felt it was. I felt I don't. I'm, you know how much of a fan I of paneer, but it just yeah. It lacked it didn't a do little justice something. to the paneer. I yeah, think. That's, that's what I problem. feel. That's what I feel. Um, but it was good, and that, if you're a veggie, good. I think it's a nice option. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know that, that way, it's it's a good option, um, and it was it was it was nice enough. Like if I hadn't had the starter. And I had something substandard for that and then had that as my main. I would have been like, okay, it's actually overall a really good meal. I think the, there was a few, on the main menu, there's a lot of veggie dishes. Yeah. Um, on the lunch menu, I think they had pan bhaji as well. Oh yeah, I think it was, yeah. yeah and yeah. that looked really nice. Yeah. I saw somebody on another table having that and I was like, hmm. But I can't have it because I'm gluten free, you know. Um, then dessert came. Yeah. The only, I'm sorry, going back to the main I, I noticed, and this is me being like really pedantic now, right? Huh. So like there was a guy on the table next to us and it was just one guy. And he had like like whole portions of like rice and dal oh, and came, naan 
like to himself. It came with side dishes, so they were all counted as part of the side dishes, yeah. the dal and everything. But we got that same amount that he got between the two of us. Yes, it was a little bit tight. And I thought, wait a minute, don't we get like a whole one of these each? Or at least a slightly bigger portion of each. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be double the portion because that's still quite a lot, but just a little bit more. Yeah. It didn't go very far. No, it didn't. Between the two of us, it was like a very small uh, bowl of rice. And obviously, you know, this this Indian accent and stuff, you're paying for like the the experience and where we are and the vibe. But, you know, to see someone else get like double the amount that we got each, um, I thought was a little bit, mm, you know. Yeah. Rethink your strategy, Indian accent. Um, But anyway... The dessert. The dessert was... So I went for... They're really kind of like known for this dessert. It's called Makar Malai. Yep. And oh my God. Mm. Oh my God. It was like eating a cloud. It was so... So it looked like a massive portion that came. Your dessert looked really small and mine looked huge. And then when I kind of put my spoon into it, I realized it was so... It was like... It was like a mousse, but even lighter. So it was like frothed up malai yeah. cream and and it was so flavorsome and it had these like bits on top that were really sweet yes. and crunchy so there was like a nice kind of texture difference and uh. oh it was it was really yummy really yummy i was very happy with my dessert i yeah. have to say and it it kind of was like, when you start eating it like it's eating in cloud i'm not going to be satisfied at the end of it you're more than satisfied at the end of yeah. it yeah 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 it was very good it's not particularly what i would have gone for I, no, I, it's I, not your kind of dessert, but it's my yeah, kind of dessert. Exactly. I went for, you know, the cheesecake. like a, Which is actually like a new addition, apparently, to their menu. And it's like a big thing that they added that to yeah. their menu. So. But it was, but it, like I said, really, really nice. Coconut, wasn't it? Yes, indeed. A bit of chocolate as well. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, just the right amount right at the end to just kind of like, you know, ease off and clean your palate quite nicely. Uh, and the ambience is nice as well. So it's kind of like art deco-y in there. Yeah, and it had these like of... amazing, like deep green, like um, kind of what they call sofas. <laughs> yeah. Bunkets. Seating. Seating. Yeah. Um, it was really nicely done. The only thing that killed the ambience for me was the really loud Indian family next to us. Yeah. Exactly, who were like yeah. very rich, obviously. And the man. Indust- so like industrialists. Or yeah. Something. And the man looked like like kind of like an industrialist on holiday so he had like you know like a scarf on and yes. a hat yeah. a jaunty hat um, and the other goatees you know the Indian yeah. goatees kind of like what you expect like a director to look like yes. yes and he was there with his really loud obnoxious children who are obviously very spoilt and yeah. like you know have grown up with loads of money and it's so they were talking and they were talking about all the gossip and they were like didn't you hear that he's been made re- you know he's he's going bankrupt and all this stuff and I was like nah bruv <coughs> you're killing this mood for me this is yeah. meant to be romantic and you're like a loud annoying family but that was the only thing yeah yeah exactly you can't you can't help who you put against basically exactly so can't take that away from the overall vibe of the restaurant uh really lovely place um great food um another place we highly recommend two very differing atmospheres and experiences but in essence it's still great roti, indian food roti and it just shows you the diversity of our food Yes. And I think that's the beauty of Indian food. Yes. And long may it rain. Long may it rain. It's the beauty of Asian people. And when we talk about the beauty of Asian people, it will bring us on to our next segment, which is after this little short break. And that is tattoos. 
within the British Asian community. second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And in this half of the show, we're going to be talking all things tattoo. Uh, I don't mean like that weird um, two-girl band from, from Russia. Yeah. All the things you, what's that, all the things she said, all the things she said, running through my head. Da, 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 Why da, have da, you da, remembered da. the lyrics? Because it was a big tune, isn't it? That was a massive track. And you know, because of two girls kissing it. And then it was like, oh my God, it's two girls kissing. You know, back in the days when people didn't realise that lesbianism was a thing. And they were just like, kind of, oh oh my God, oh my God. And it was on top of the pops. Oh my God. Look how far we've come. Very far. Thankfully. Yes. But no, we are talking about tattoos. Uh, Now, obviously, this is is not like a new thing within, uh, you know, we talk about... Uh, you know, the British invented it. And, <laughs> and it's only a couple of years old. This I don't know if you've heard of this thing called... I don't know if you've this heard of this thing called tattooing. Yeah. It's uh, where people draw pictures on you. Yeah, so t- tell us about tattoos, Georgia <laughs> B. What, what are they? For people so, that don't... For anyone who's listening that doesn't know what tattooing is. So they they draw pictures on you right. uh, with a needle. Shit. And it's permanent. Fuck. And it you hurts. Can't, you can't even, like, erase it. No. There's no, you can't rub it out. You can't wash it off. Is it like a magic marker then? Yeah, permanent marker. Permanent marker, shit. Yeah, it's like a sharpie, but in your skin. In, okay, so so you basically use a needle to pierce through your skin multiple times with and fill it with ink yeah. underneath your skin. Yeah, so in different mixing, mixing it with your and blood, and things. mixing it with your blood and everything that's happening inside internally. You've got ink mixed with blood. That's but like I mean, it only rubbing. goes through if not all the way through all your layers of skin. If it does that, then you've gone to a bad tattooist. Right. It's supposed to go you've through a certain a number piece. of layers of skin. Right. So it sits in the right place and does okay. what it's supposed to do. And then does the does the uh, the finishing result look exemplary all the time? Well, I mean, uh, it starts off a bloody mess. Right. Like literally blood. Bloody, uh, is it like a bloody mess? And there's or? a bit of uh, like ink comes out of it and a bit of pus comes out of it and stuff. And then... Well, people um, pay for this, yeah? Yeah. But then it scabs over and then it gets really itchy. And then it goes like a weird, like faded color. Right. And then after a few weeks, it looks lowly. Right. So there's a lot of uh, pain and patience involved. In, yes. In tattooing. Yes. Um, obviously, like, yeah, unless you've been, you know, living under a rock or literally dead, you would obviously fucking know what tattooing is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when we talk about tattoos in our communities, um, again, it's everyone, literally everyone has tattoos. L- legitimately, everyone has tattoos, right? Yeah, but, like, it's still very taboo with our, like, parents' generation, even though a number of them had tattoos well I, I if i talk very specifically like my dad is like I, he would blatantly have voted for the tories because he's so 
super conservative as a human being. Yes, he is. Right. You know, and he like frowns upon people wearing jeans because he thinks they dress like vagabonds, you know, which is his favorite word. <laughs> but even he has a tattoo. What is that tattoo? It is a tattoo of his name. <laughs> In case you forget. Yeah. In Gujarati. Okay. Um so in case even, you if lost, his name, even if he got lost in the street, if he, he got lost in the streets of like fucking Kensington and shit, and that, no one would be able to tell like you know who he was based on that because no one can understand what's being written yep. on his own. Just deport him. No, just deport him. Yeah, yep. it's probably some jihadi symbols is what people would say on there. <laughs> um, and so yeah, he even he has a tattoo, and like there are obviously a number of people from his generation that do. A lot of it is um, tribal. Tribal tattoos. Or religious. Um, religious tattoos. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to our generation, like literally everyone has tattoos. Like everyone has tattoos. Um, but I think what we're looking specifically at this half of the show is how now, like our communities have embraced traditional Asian art yeah. as tattoos. Yeah. Which I think is a great way to combine what is something very British which is like the techniques involved in tattooing with being Asian. Well, you know, you say British, but actually tattooing... Karen, I'm just going to blow my nose. Oh dear, this is going to be disgusting. Um, Tattooing is... I love how this this bastard just stops talking so everyone can actually hear. I had to do it discreetly away, but it's like, no, 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 let's just turn up the fucking microphone so you can all hear me fucking blow my nose. That bit out. Oh no, I'm just gonna do it in the background while you carry on talking. But it's like, no, no, I'm gonna sit there and actually not even not even listen to you. She actually decided to stare at me, like to make sure. Oh no, you just missed a bit of the side of your nose. There's a bit of a snot that's dripping down there. Thought you were gonna there. cut that bit out. Okay, fine. Right, so we're not editing Such that. Such an unprofessional scene. bastard. <laughs> um, so yes. So tattooing is actually really entrenched in lots of Eastern cultures. Yeah. And when you think about what we do in terms of mendi, yes. that's, I mean, that's a form of tattooing. It's not permanent, obviously, but it's a form of, of artwork mm. on the skin, yeah. which you could see as kind of being like a temporary tattoo. So Transfer. it runs deep within our cultures. And if you look at Southeast Asia and the Polynesian islands and stuff, there's a lot of tattooing as part of the culture yes yeah absolutely. so um yeah i think that it's it's not a western thing as such it's not so much a western thing but i think like you know the 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 way i guess now the the next generation are embracing a lot of indian art and the creativity from their parents generation <coughs> into fusing it basically into new age designs for today yeah and i think that's a great way of basically embracing your roots and embracing um you know because like i said when i i used to see a lot of things within our community we know a lot of people from uh the mayor community and they like they've got like sleeves worth of like you know tattoos basically the yeah. women specifically which i hadn't come across until i married you actually yeah exactly you know but it was always like it was just a normal thing it was just part and parcel and you just you just accepted it and then, you know, at the time, I was like, didn't even fathom to think, actually, wow, these these women all have like sleeved up tattoos all over their arms. Yeah. It was just a thing that's been part and parcel of our culture. Um, but it was one of those things that was like, oh, that's what older women get. That's what they that's what they do. 
and it's like you know I'm I'm not about that life I want to go get like a you know like an anchor tattooed on my arm or some shit or like some girl's name of someone that I really loved that walked away from me two weeks later um that kind of shit you don't know? ever get someone's name tattooed on you like unless it's like your child or something yeah. don't get your partner's name if something is not like you might think it's permanent but if it's not actually gonna be permanent yeah. because you never know what life throws at you Tell me about it. um don't get their name tattooed on you don't be an idiot and i feel like it's a curse yeah exactly yeah but anyway that's yeah. my own personal preference so the reason we're talking about this is because I've had some tattoos recently. Bombshell. <gasps> um, I told my daddy and my mummy about my tattoos. So they, I already had one. <laughs> the way you say that, it's just like, mommy, daddy, I've done something <laughs> well, really bad. You know, I kind of revert back tattoo. to being my 10-year-old self sometimes when I'm with them. But so I already had a tattoo <laughs> yeah. from like Mid-30s 10 years ago. Mid-30s mother of one. Yeah. But I had so I had t- a tattoo from ten years ago, which I loved at the time, but had now faded and wasn't looking very good anymore. And it's on my shoulder, and it was just kind of randomly floating there, not looking very nice when I wore uh. slightly strappier clothes. So I thought I want to improve this. So as it happens, uh, I think it was last year. It was last year, wasn't it? That I went on Asian Network on the ladies panel. Mm-hmm. Um, I met a young lady by the name of Nikki who was at that time an apprentice at a tattoo shop. And she is, uh, for, she's Indian and she is... Well, she's British Asian. She's British Asian, sorry. She's from an Indian background. Yes. Um, and she was a tattooist. And I was like, I've never met an Asian tattooist, but I definitely haven't met uh, like a British Asian female tattooist. Yep. This is very interesting. So we were just thrown together on this panel. We talk about random stuff, but we kept in touch from there. And I have seen her work progress mm-hmm. on Instagram. And I was like, you know what? I need my tattoo improved. She's around the corner. Her tattoo shop's around the corner from It's not far. Um, and so I got in touch with her and asked her to like, you know, do this for me. Because I felt really, I felt like it was a really um, beautiful thing that I would be able to get a lovely piece of artwork, because I know she's very good, um, done by... A British Asian female tattoo artist. Mm. You know, I want my body adorned by people that I respect. Yeah. And it was. And her artwork is beautiful. Uh-huh. And so I got my tattoo jacked. Yes, you got a, a tattoo fix. Yeah. British Asian style. Yeah, she was my tattoo fixer. Big up. Well, you know, like, as a, as the husband of, of a wife that's having tattoos, I have, I don't care. You know, you I did talk with, to you about it. Yeah, but you can, that's that's your body. You can do literally do whatever you want with it. Like I know your parents were like, "Oh, the shame that it must bring uh, on your husband for to have to having a wife that's got tattoos and what will people say and all this kind of bugwas." Actually, so now they said that when they found out about my first tattoo, which actually they found out about about five years after I got it. Well, <laughs> they found out when I was like trying on my wedding stuff and it was like um my outfit had a str- like a strappy top and that's when they saw it and they were like what the hell is that yeah and, oh my god what are they gonna say what will your in-law say and i was like oh, whatever my husband doesn't mind my husband to be doesn't mind because you would obviously seen it yeah um this time when i showed them and said that i had got it like pimped up they were like well we don't really care 
<laughs> yeah. And I was like, somebody what? else's property now. Yeah. They were, well, no, well, they were just like, well, <laughs> if you lot are all right with it, like you two are fine with it between yourselves, what's it got to do with us? You're a grown woman now. And I was like, oh my God. No, look how times what? have changed. I mean, I am a mother now, so I suppose yeah. they don't really What would your son say is what it's going to move on to next, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? What's what he going to say? What kind of example are you setting? But and then I told my dad that, so my particular design on my shoulder is a mandala. Yeah. And when I said, oh, you know, it's got Indonesian influence and my family have like an Indonesian connection. He was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Suddenly sparked up, eh? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very chuffed with my shoulder tattoo. I think I was a bit scared of how big it was because it was a lot bigger than my original tattoo. Yeah. But Nikki didn't let me down. Mm-hmm. No, no, not at all. And after I got my tattoo while I was... <laughs> Still feeling the pain of the needle just about in my shoulder. Um, I managed to get a chat with Nikki. Okay, awesome. Here's what she had to say. I am here with the lovely Nikki, who is a tattooist who has just tattooed me. Um, so I'm sitting here recovering with a hot chocolate, trying to get my sugar levels back up and stop feeling lightheaded. Um, but I thought it'd be really interesting to talk to Nikki about her experience because she is a British Asian female and she's a tattooist, a very talented tattooist. And uh, yeah, I just thought it'd be a good kind of opportunity to sit down and have a chat with a lady doing something that is not the usual for a, for a British Asian. So, Nikki. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Tell me about yourself. How did you get into this whole industry? So I have always loved drawing. Drawing's always been just, you know, any spare minute I would get when I was young, I'd be doodling on something, I'd be making something. So it was always very artsy. Um, and I don't know where or how, but this obsession with tattoos just came around. Yeah. Probably when I was about maybe nine nine or ten so quite young um and i had a big obsession with them i just thought they looked amazing i thought people getting them done were like super brave and just i don't know i was just so fascinated by them um and i told my mum, i was like i really really want tattoos when i'm older and she, i think it was one of those things where mum's kind of thought you know oh she'll kind of grow out of it kind of thing but so she didn't kind of go Shut up, that's never gonna happen. No, no, she thankfully never really shut me down. I think it was more that's she cool. thought it was a passing comment, so she didn't feel the need to <laughs> shut it down completely. Um, so that was always a thing. And then I went through, so then I grew up a bit, and I was kind of at that stage of going through what kind of job I might want to do, because I was yeah. picking like GCSEs and then going on to be picking A levels and stuff, so it was all kind of important decisions. Yeah. Um, and I was trying out, I was going to different work experiences, I was sort of researching loads of different jobs, I went through marine biologists, I went through vet, being a vet, uh, being a doctor, being a dentist, all the usual typical yeah. Asian kind of things as well, like optician and all of that. Um, and I, I kept saying it, I kept being like, yeah, but I'm going to be covered in tattoos, like, it's just going to be a thing. And my mum did kind of sit me down one day and she said, so if you're a doctor, because I was set on being a doctor for a long yeah. time, she's like, if you're a doctor, um, you're you're not going to be able to have tattoos all over your hands, like, yeah. kind of thing. So then it was almost just like a penny drop moment. 
I was like, okay, well, I love drawing. I can't really do any other job that will give me the freedom of having the body art that I want. Um, so why don't I just become a tattooist? So not having the tattoos on your hands was like a deal breaker in terms of the other careers? Yeah. million percent, yeah. 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 Okay. For me, I've just... Like, I think tattoos, like, you get them to show them off. Yeah. And it, it's self-expression at the end of the day. Like, yeah. when you choose what you're wearing for the day, you're choosing that based on how you feel, yourself, you're expressing yourself. So I think tattooing is very much the same. Um, so, yeah, I've always wanted to be able to show them off, you know, have them in obvious places like my hands, um, all over my legs and stuff. So in the summer, you can see them. So that was a deal breaker for me. Um, and then I was set. I was going to be a tattooist. And, and so what was the reaction from your family, first of all, when you said, right, this is definitely what I'm going to do in life? Disbelief. Okay. <laughs> a lot of disbelief. It was like another moment where a young child would say, I'm going to grow up to be an astronaut. And you kind of think, okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was one of those. It was it was very much like praying that it, it would be a phase yeah. and that I would grow out of it. Because um, I used I used to be quite heavily influenced by music as well. So all the rock bands I would listen to all covered in tattoos. I used to have posters of them up on my walls. And yeah. So I think my mum thought, right, it's a phase. She's going to grow out of the music eventually. She'll grow out of this kind of idealism of wanting tattoos and yeah. you know all that kind of stuff um, and yeah it, it didn't happen <laughs> so now that it hasn't you haven't grown out of it and actually you've pursued it how do they feel about it now they're more supportive than ever okay they absolutely love it they love the fact that I'm just happy um, which is a big thing for them me and my happiness yeah. which it should be every parent grandparent um, but they, they, I've taught them that tattoos don't necessarily have a negative link yeah. like associated with them so there's no need for them to be so worried and upset by me being in the tattooing industry so now that they've understood that which I think a lot of people don't really understand they're so happy they love it they, they're always admiring mine always wanting to see my work that I've been doing I'm just proud have you tattooed any of your family so I tattooed my mum recently. No way. It was a really small one. Oh, wow. She, I have a little unalome symbol on my thumb. Yeah. And I did my first ever tattooing convention in July. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically just like like any convention. It's a big area where all these tattooists go. And you can actually tattoo there if you're working in the convention. Oh, okay. And then public members of the public, they'll just come around and chat with you, maybe get tattooed, buy wow. some artwork. So, yeah, it's just like a tattoo lover's convention yeah um and my mum came to visit me there because it was my first ever one yeah and she said right if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it now <laughs> oh so, my word yeah, I, I did the same on her thumb oh so, wow yeah, that's so sweet yeah. <laughs> and that's really brave because my mum would be like no no shen she was so. yeah she was very set against it just due to the pain yeah but i told her if you've had a baby she doesn't believe me she thinks I'm some like wonder woman that can go around getting my body covered in tattoos I can safely say it's a very different kind of pain yeah but you know what I lived through mine so I'm sure anybody else is thinking about exactly. it they could live through theirs as well um and in terms of so thinking beyond the family the wider community as much um what's been their reaction um so, I mean, the only real experiences I've had with that is when I've gone to, like, 
my family function. Yeah. Um, and I've got dressed up in like a nice sari and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I'm wearing a cardigan, just, you know, to travel to and from. Um, and I'll get in the room and the cardigan will come off. Right. And it's very, for me, it's, it used to be very much like a, I should wear a long sleeve blouse so that I don't have to have the worried, like, anxiety thoughts in my head of what's yeah. everyone going to think this that and the other so um maybe when I was about 18 and I used to I had started getting them um I would always wear long sleeve tops or blouses when I was going to functions maybe when I got to about 20 I'm now 22 so when about 20 um I just kind of started thinking what's the point I want to show them off I'm proud of them I'm still me yeah who I am so I'm going to go ahead and do it um the first time I did it was it's like the room just fell silent. It wow. went pin drop silent. Everyone was looking at me, and I just literally wanted the ground to like swallow me whole. I was like, oh, oh this is awful. I had all eyes on me, and you could tell it was in a bad way. Yeah. And then from then, people kind of the shock went. Yeah. Um, but I got treated differently. So I would have people kind of being a bit nice, but withdrawn, right. but nice to my face. Yeah. And then talking about me to each other behind my back and I'm thinking I can hear you because you guys are deaf so you're talking very loud <laughs> so yeah. I can hear you <laughs> so that wasn't nice um and since then to be honest I'm reluctant to go to these kind of functions and stuff like I have now I'm really distanced from a lot of my family um but not out of like a bitter sense or yeah. not in not even in like a scared kind of way it's yeah. more just because they don't understand me yeah. so I don't feel the need to associate with them yeah um you just you've had to become quite thick skinned to that then as well 100% yeah. yeah even just being in the tattooing industry and in my apprenticeship I've had to become so much more thick skinned because it's not easy yeah. yeah. In what way? So within the industry, in what way is it not easy? So I think being young, being female, yeah. um, people just do treat you differently. They, they, well, it's almost like they think that you're more incapable and you don't really know what you're talking about. So I've had customers where I'll be talking to them, because in my apprenticeship I used to have to be sort of front of the shop. Yeah. So I'd be talking to a customer, I'd been in the shop for a long time, so I knew what I was on about, I'd been there, I'd, I'd learned a lot. Um, and I'd give them some advice about maybe why their idea would sort of be better suited doing it another way, maybe. Yeah. Um, and they just wouldn't believe me, and they'd point sort of behind me and say, I want to talk to that guy back there who's tattooing. So I would go back in and I would tell him, this person out front wants to speak to you because of this. And they would go out there, tell them literally word for word exactly what I said. And the customer would say, well, that's a really good idea, you know, I completely understand. <laughs> Do you think that then that comes from the youth or from the you being female or from you being Asian? Do you think it's all three of those or do you think me personally I think it's all three yeah um but obviously I don't like to point the finger and say yeah you're discriminating against me because I'm Asian mm. around, you know like have I don't you have you had anyone say outright I don't want you to tattoo me because no. dot, dot, dot. thankfully no no I've been very lucky that I've not experienced any literally face on racism yeah um yeah, but I think that where I work, thankfully, we're at quite a respected shop, and yes. a lot of the people know that I'm part of that family now. So yeah. I have 
had that in, in a sense as a cushion. I think yeah. maybe I was all by myself. Yeah. It might be different. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I haven't thankfully experienced that, and hopefully I never will. Yeah. But there definitely are people that are reluctant to take advice from me. Yeah. Um, because I don't know what it is. I think maybe they think I'm young. Maybe they think it's because I'm a woman and I'm in a shop full of men, so yeah. they'd rather have their opinion. Um, maybe it was because I wasn't tattooing. Maybe it's because I was out of, out in front. You yeah. Know? But yeah. yeah. And do you think that you would one day want to open your own business, or are you happy to kind of stay part of the family that you're part of and kind of? It's a bit of a difficult question because you never really know what the future holds. Yeah. Um, I do want to spend a lot of time travelling with my work because yeah. I'm fortunate enough to have that opportunity where I can go anywhere in the world and yeah. be able to tattoo. Yeah. Um. So I would definitely like to do that. And obviously, if you have your own business, it kind of ties you down a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I do very much like the idea of having a place I can call my own. Yeah. Maybe not a shop necessarily, because um, a lot of responsibility comes with that. Yeah. But I would like my own area, like a private studio kind of thing, possibly, yeah. where customers would come to me. Um, and I can sort of, it's just my own private little area, really. I can decorate yeah. how I want, be how I want. Yeah. Um, but then there's also, I have thought that there are struggles that come with that, whereas in the sense that I am a female and mm-hmm. I am Asian, so yeah. I'd have to have another person in the shop with me, be it like a shop manager or something, yeah. um, just because I wouldn't want to be by myself and face a lot of discrimination, possibly. Yeah. So, and then, uh, you know, anything can happen. Yeah, so, so having that extra security of somebody there. Yeah, whereas I feel like possibly um, a British British male yeah. might not have those worries. Okay, yeah. You know? Yeah. And do you think that you're seeing more Asian women coming through within the tattoo industry and kind of owning that space a little bit more? As tattooists? Or yes, yeah. As tattooists? Um, I've definitely um, started following a lot more recently. Like, mm. I'm realising there's loads in mm. Canada... Um, Canada especially actually oh really yeah a few in Britain um, it's still not as saturated yeah. as it could be but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing yeah um, I mean if, if if Asian women want to get into it mm. you know by all means they should yeah. and that's kind of what I went out to achieve when I became a tattoo artist I wanted to kind of put my foot in the door and show that you can do it and it, you shouldn't be afraid to follow your dreams kind of thing yeah. um, so it definitely can become more saturated with them yeah. but if it's not everyone's path you know then yeah. and would you encourage it if someone would say like say the, the fears of being discriminated against or um, say kind of not being sure what to do and how the community is going to react to it and if those kind of fears are holding somebody back would you say that actually you know the sacrifices that you've made in terms of having to distance or just choosing to distance yourself from members of your family or from you know other people that haven't taken so well to your career choice do you think it's worth the sacrifice and do you think would you say would you encourage anybody else to kind of go down that path even though they might have to make similar sacrifices. I think so. I think if you can wake up every morning and look forward to going to essentially work, I don't think of it as work, I think of it as, you know, just my everyday life. But if you can wake up and have that mentality of you're excited to of what's ahead, you're excited for the weeks ahead, you're planning, you know, months ahead of what you're excited for, you're getting all these ideas popping up, it's so worth it because 
there is nothing worse than waking up in the morning and dreading your day ahead or thinking, I wish I was doing something else. I wish I was following my dreams. I wish I was, I have this passion that I love and I wish I was doing, making something of that. Yeah. Because you, you have one life at the end of the day, for all we know, you know? So I just think it's such a shame to essentially waste it being unhappy. I mean, you spend something crazy. I don't know the percentages, but you do spend some crazy amount of your life working. Yeah. So you should go to work every day thinking that, yes, I've got the best job in the whole world. And that's how I feel. I don't really... I mean, I was never close with the community as such. I've never been... like I used to do like go-round and stuff like that, which would be fun. And I'd go to the same place every year, so you did kind of meet people. But I was never embedded in the community in the thick of it so maybe for someone that is it might be a bit harder to sacrifice those things for me it was a no-brainer but I think if you're following your dreams if you're doing something that you love whatever it is in the world you should be able to just go and do it without fear of any kind of judgment because it's your life it's not their life it's your life yeah did you find it more difficult or did you feel like you had to prove yourself a little bit harder to say get your apprenticeship or to be um, or to get a role in the first place as kind of as a tattooist um I was prepared for it yeah I was very much prepared to be turned down a million times before I got an apprenticeship but I am actually I was so lucky that the first place I went to just seeking advice on my portfolio they took me on as an apprentice and wanted me to um I think actually being female helped because um often in tattooing tattoo shops um it's quite a harsh environment and young girls that go in there maybe wanting something on their rib cage or you know by by their booth or something they if it's just a shop full of five men it's very um it's very overwhelming yeah so for having a a lady in the shop it does soften things a little bit you know the conversation softens the atmosphere softens the for a woman getting tattooed having another woman in the shop who's young um, and if she can get on with everyone else you kind of instantly feel a bit more comfortable yeah so I think actually being a female and young worked a lot in my favor okay and, and towards getting my apprenticeship but that's because um, the people I work with are quite open-minded like that. If I went to some shops, I'm sure I would have been faced with a completely different response. Um, so I was actually, yeah, very fortunate to not have much trouble. Um, but I do think I feel like I have to prove myself a lot more being a woman. Um, like comments in the tattooing industry, it's very much a stereotype where if a female tattooist is booked up quite far in advance you know they'll make rude comments about why she might be booked up do like male customers wanting to like stare down a top and stuff like that really yeah oh my god (laughs) what yeah they'll say like oh she's only booked up because like men want to stare down a top while she tattoos them is that the world we still live in yeah that is insane yeah rather than saying obviously it's just because she's a good tattooist so I think for the rest of my career I am geared up for a bit of an uphill battle because there are still very much those kind of opinions that float around yeah I thought that kind of sexism had died but obviously not no (laughs) tattooing in a way is still a very like old school um industry yeah very very much you know people would I'm sure people come in look at me and look at a male tattooist and think oh I'd rather get tattooed by him right 
parts on these still need to change still a long, long way to go yeah it's frustrating yeah but then you know you have women like you kind of trying to break that down and kind of make sure that doesn't happen and you would think that I don't know it's a really obvious kind of a person to bring up but someone like Kat Von D kind of coming and doing what she did on TV and showing that actually women can do it and do it very well you would have thought that actually the attitudes would have changed slightly amongst not only in the industry but amongst clientele as well that they would have a, a more kind of open mind to these things but obviously not you would think. I mean, when someone asks me who's the most famous tattooist you can think of, I instantly think of Kat Von D. Yeah. And there are so many well-known female tattoo artists out there, and respectable ones as well, where their yeah. work actually is artwork. You know, yeah. it's pure just talent. Yeah. You know, and it does, but they won't get as much recognition as male tattooists. But that's, it, it, it just is what it is. You just got to keep... It's the way of the world, but it's the way that most industries work, but then that's not something that should be accepted, and it's good that you're trying to kind of change people's views on that. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so something slightly lighter. If you could tattoo anybody, who would you tattoo? Famous? Yeah, or well, just anyone. 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 Ooh. I would... Oh, that's such a hard question. <laughs> How has no one ever asked me that before? That's such a difficult question. Do you know what? As bad as it sounds, I probably would just tattoo someone really famous just so I yeah. can get my work out there. Why not? Who's like a really empowering female? Because I would tattoo that person. Who's really empowering? Michelle Obama or something? Yeah, literally someone like that. I would plaster her whole body in pretty tattoos just so I can be like, yep, that's Michelle Obama. She came to me. <laughs> empowering females, that's who I yeah. go for, definitely. Okay. Yeah. And um, is there anyone who's influenced you or your work, or your style of work, in terms of either like art or within the tattoo industry? Who do you think has been your influence? So there's lots of tattooists that obviously have. I like admire their work so much. My body is covered in mendy kind of patterns and yeah. stuff because I just love it. But actually, the main person who really influenced a lot of my work is my mum. Okay. So she used to be a henna artist for brides like you oh, do wow. bridal henna and makeup artist um and when i was young um she would have loads of mendy cones at home and every weekend i just hold my hands and like feet out to her and be like tattoo me everywhere not tattoo me mendy me everywhere like put well, henna you know, on me henna is just like a kind of temporary tattoo so, exactly yeah so i just got used to seeing all of those patterns all over me yeah um, i would watch her do it i would try and do it as well yeah um so all the like paisley patterns, the flowers, the swirls, yeah, um, all of that. It, I would just, yeah, I was so obsessed with it. I just thought it was beautiful, and to me, it looked like jewelry. Yeah. So I've always just wanted that effect, like I've, my handpiece, for example. I wanted yeah. it to look like a glove kind yeah. of thing. Like, um, and now as I've kind of, I've picked it up myself. Yeah. Um, my style is adapting. I really quite heavily get influenced by Indonesian art. Okay. So it's a bit less. Um, paisley like yeah. swirly it's a bit more petally yeah. and, and yeah so it's a bit more the shapes are a bit more strong yeah. rather than so close together and yeah. intricate like henna is because okay. as you get into tattooing you learn that certain patterns like that they won't hold in the skin very well yeah. um, and over time they can change so going for more bolder outlines and strong really strong effects okay. is what I strive for like I would want someone 
to be walking down the street who I've tattooed and from across the street you can see kind of what they've got yeah. and you can see the skin gaps you can see the strong bold lines yeah. all of that kind of stuff so yeah but the main influence did actually come from my mum and her doing loads of Mendy and stuff and yeah then going doing it on me amazing so your your kind of culture has influenced your style of tattooing Yes. Your Asian culture. Yeah, and a lot of um, Asian and non-Asian women have come to me wanting kind of Mendy style pieces. Yeah. So I'm still able to go back to my cultural roots yeah. and do a Mendy piece if I wanted yeah. to, but make it suitable for tattooing. Yeah. So they'll send me loads of pictures of actual Mendy. Yeah. Um, and I do have to explain to them that you won't get this exact intricate look just because yeah. it won't work. But to be honest, I, I like being able to do that. I like being able to give them something that actually will work and it yeah. will look like a Mendy design, but just suitable for permanency kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I love how people will come to me because of that, because they'll look at me and think, oh, she's Asian. Yeah. So she, she'll know everything about Mendy. And it's just instant comfort, Yeah. you know? So you're happy to have that as your signature style? Yeah, a million yeah. percent. Yeah, right. Probably the reason why I came to you for mine as well. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Um, I'm sure we'll do some follow-up at some point. Hopefully. Yeah, you're around the corner from us. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, thanks for giving a kind of um, insight into what I still, I guess, is still considered an alternative career, especially for Asians, but hopefully less and less so going forward, and it will just become, you know, another kind of artistic career that we can yeah. our kids can choose hopefully my son will be artistic you never know you might <laughs> want to be a tattoo artist you never know so you can come to you and some advice definitely yeah. <laughs> thank you very, thanks much. very much thank you bye oh shout out to nikki there basically she's she knows exactly what she wants and she knows exactly where she wants to get to with tattooing. Yeah, and, and she's she's so young still, she's twenty two, so if she's at this standard now, yeah. I just I can't imagine like how much better she will get, but she will. So why don't you just wait off like ten years when she's like a black belt tattooist? You could have got something like spectacular. Well, I can always get something else. Right. <laughs> you can be so, one of those chicks. You know the ones like you know you see like like when they're like eighty. And they're like covered in tattoos, and you've got like multiple rings that go across it, all of your face and, and I shit. I have like my head tattooed. I shave my head. Yeah. And get a tattoo. Um, it's all it's all like green by the time you get to that age. You know, like yeah. all the black toes are green and shit. Yeah, uh, I'll try to avoid that for you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, but thanks again to Nikki for both the tattoo. Where and can people follow for her? For her lovely chat, they can follow her on Instagram. Awesome. You want to see her designs? Um, including it, yours, which will be on Including mine, yep. It's Nikki Tattoo X, so it's N-I-K-K-I. At. You forget, always forget the at. Oh, what nobody knows. At. Wake up to the digital age, Jojo oh, B. Whatever, but when you're searching on Instagram, you just put, anyway, fine, whatever. At N-I-K-K-I Tattoo, which is T-A-T-T-O-O-X. Nikki Tattoo X. Yes. okay have a look she's brilliant she's her line work is so precise i love it mm. i'm slightly obsessed with it um i'm very tempted to get more because she's very near us oh, uh but i'll hold off for now um but you can check out that tattoo we're gonna be featuring it on our social media pages yeah um so you know <laughs> Give us your, uh, you know, your truthful feedback on it. You know, if you're feeling it, uh, if let you're us not, know. If you're not, let us know. Yeah. It? And to be fair, I don't really give a shit. 
No. Because no, I love doesn't. it. Yes, he does not. Um, And then, so like now with tattoos. Once you get one. It's so addictive. I've got quite a high pain threshold, I have to say. Um, and Childbirth was up there, right? Huh? Childbirth was up there, wasn't it? Yes. And I did that without drugs. Um, and so I, um, yeah, got a taste for a little bit more. And I've always said that if I had a baby, I would want to get a tattoo to like commemorate that. Yeah. And it, it was coming up to a year since Bob's was born at the point when I started to think about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And so lo and behold, through my internet travels and through seeing Nikki's work, I came across Helena. Helena. Helena is another British Asian female tattooist. Well, shut the front door. I know, there's two so, of them. So, yeah, you know, it's like when you're like a double bed, double decker bus, isn't it? You wait ages for one to turn up. And now there's two. Exactly. Championing the cause. Yeah. And do you know what? That is awesome. They know each other. They've been featured in an article together. Like, I mean, these girls are like, they're uh, brilliant. But do you think there's some kind of little friendly rivalry happening there? You know, no, but actually, no, that's a bad thing because, you know, the, the immediate thing is once there's one female out there and there's another female out there, all people want to do is basically put them up against each other. Yeah, and, and don't. And like, be like, we can only have space for one. So, you know, like, just just scrap it out between the two of you and like whoever wins, wins. Kind and of that's thing. a very toxic thing to do. It's a very so, mad thing to do. So as don't well. do that. Yeah. Um, they are both amazing artists in their own right. Yes. Um, so Helena has a very different style. Her style is, it harks back to the imagery of like Mughal um, artwork. So all her tattoos are kind of inspired by that or a lot of her tattoos are. Um, so it's, yeah, I have, I, I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. I, when I got this tattoo, I felt so emotional Yeah. Um, because it means so much to me. Mm. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. It's yeah. genuinely beautiful. Even my, like when my dad saw it, he like was he didn't like slap you, which is a no. Good, he was, was just a like great step in the right That's operation. really nice. Like he he was, I think he because it was so Indian inspired. Yes, both of them are in very different ways. That actually, I think he thought that was, it was a really nice way to commemorate me having Baba. Yeah, yeah, and. And so, I mean, should I say what it is or are you going to just put it a picture up? No, I think, I think you know, we can put a picture up of it and let people see for themselves. Um, you know, the description that you wanted to put across was, you know, the... It was a representation being, of motherhood is what yes, I wanted. Yeah, exactly. And I have that. And it's just, when I look at it, I just feel really connected to it and i think yeah. that's how you should feel with a tattoo you should feel connected to it yeah not only should it be beautiful or, sh or it should represent who you are and it should stand for something yeah because otherwise you'll probably just get sick of it after a while no absolutely and a permanent it's a permanent thing and so you don't want to be sick of it because getting a tattoo removed is apparently way more po painful than actually getting a tattoo yeah exactly exactly i think long and hard before you get one done but i had given helena a completely different concept and then she came back to me with like, well, that's something like this instead. And I was like, I love it. Yeah. And then I didn't see, the with either of these tattoos, I didn't see the design until the day. Yeah, exactly. And so you can tweak it and stuff. And so I, with Helena, we tweaked a few things and added a few bits. And it just kind of morphed into this beauty of a tattoo. And I went all the way to Leicester. You drove me all the way to Leicester. Yeah, no, the things that I fucking do 
you know, to have people put shame on me in the community. It's uh, you know, it's a noble feat. But the one thing great about Helena's uh, designs, um, and it might still apply to Nikki, I'm not sure, but you know, no two designs are the same, and so you know what you're getting on you. It's a very unique yeah. experience and a very unique uh, creation that's that's literally just for you. Yep, yeah. they both do one time only designs right unless you specifically kind of go in with two people asking for the same tattoo right okay you won't ever get the same tattoo as somebody else they'll once your design is done it's bespoke That's to you, you and then exactly. it's they might do a different iteration of it at some point you know but they will never do exactly the same tattoo for anybody. yeah which makes it all the more personal um you know so you know that this is something that's always going to be yours um but yeah but you also had the chance to catch up with uh helena we had a really interesting chat about um what you mentioned earlier on the more tribal tattoos and um and also what it's just like to be an asian woman within the tattoos you know tattoo community um and yeah it's very eye-opening chat so i'll let you listen to it now I've just had tattoo number two done um, and I am now in recovery, wrapped in cling film. Um, I've had this tattoo done in Leicester, travelled to Leicester uh, to get it done by the lovely Helena, who I discovered on Instagram. And she has a very distinctive style and I thought I really need to have one of those tattoos. So here I am and uh, I'll let you introduce yourself. And kind of tell everyone a little bit more about yourself. Hi, I'm Helena. I'm a 22-year-old South Asian female tattoo artist based in Leicester. And I specifically do um, a lot of South Asian inspired tattoos. So a lot of like Mughal miniature styles and just like Indian patterns and Indian florals and stuff like that. (laughs) And that's exactly the kind of tattoo that I just had. (laughs) Oh, I'm very, very chuffed. I'll reveal it on Instagram. I won't let. I won't kind of give away what it is yet. But I love it. Great. I'm covered in blood. Oh, that's really. It's like packaged meat right now. You're kind of like losing a little bit. It's kind of, tattoos are not glamorous whatsoever. They're so gross, but it's really cute. I'm really happy with it. It's really sweet. Yeah. Are they like your little babies? They are like my little babies. I get really upset when people get a tattoo from me and they don't send me pictures of it once it's healed. I'm like, I just worked so hard on this. I'm never going to see it again. Like, it gets really upsetting, but yeah. Do you ever do the same design twice? Nope. I always do um, a custom piece or it's always a one-off. The only things that I might repeat are like little things that you can repeat, like like a heart or something, you know, like something generic that more than one person's going to get. But anything custom or like my flash or anything like that, I usually just do it the once and that will be like unique to you. So no one can have my tattoo. Yeah. (laughs) That's all mine. Um, Okay, so let's let's start at the beginning. How did you decide that this is what you wanted to do, that you wanted to be a tattooist? Um, I finished college. I did art in college. I didn't do very well in art in college, but um, I could draw and I was quite creative. And I think I just felt a bit lost because I wasn't going to uni. And um, tattoo fixes started coming on TV and me and my mum used to watch it. And she was like, oh, honey, now you'd be good at that. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe. And then I got really serious about it. Like, I love my mum, but she like, she said, she said that because she wanted to like suggest something to me, but she didn't mean it. 
So when I got serious, I started to like make a portfolio, went to tattoo studios, asked for a job and stuff. Um, she was like, oh, you're being really serious. Does that mean you're going to start getting tattoos? And I was like, yeah, I already got some. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's just, it just kind of happened like that. It wasn't something that I've always wanted to do. I just I didn't think you could do it. Like I thought you'd have to be like, I don't know, part of a gang or something to be a tattoo artist. I thought it was very exclusive to people, but... Yeah, I think it's gotten easier and easier to get into tattooing as time's gone on as well. So, yeah, I just thought it'd be cool. And something that I did, I googled um, Indian tattoo artist when I decided that I wanted to be one. And there was like one result. <laughs> really? Yeah. Based in the UK or just yeah. generally? <laughs> just in general. Like Indian tattoo, Indian girls with tattoos is something I googled. And a lot of inappropriate stuff came up. <laughs> I just didn't realise that um, if you now type in like South Asian tattoo artists, I come up. So I was like, oh, look, I made it. Did it, mama. Um, yeah, but that's something I did. And I realised that there wasn't actually any South Asian female tattoo artists in the UK that I could find. Um, there was one, her name's um, Syra Hunjin. And I don't know if she tattoos anymore, but I think she's based in like Wales or something. So yeah, that was the only one that I found. And then I found Nikki, obviously, like um, a few years after. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So the the idea came from your mum. Yeah. <laughs> it's unusual, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I think she just wanted to give me like a suggestion she wanted to like make me feel like I was gonna be useful at something you know like because I literally I'd finished college I didn't have many like great qualifications like I had like a fashion art and like a finance qualification I wasn't gonna go to uni like there's not a lot that I could have done with what I had um and like even not going to uni I was like there's not a lot for me because all the apprenticeships and things that I wanted to do in fashion they required a degree um, so I just, I didn't have anything to do. I didn't know what to do with my life. So when my mum suggested that, I was like, you know what, I actually could maybe try this. And I started drawing like tattoo designs and stuff, awful tattoo designs. Like I was thinking about these the other day. I was like, I was so bad at drawing. <laughs> I wasn't very good at it at all, but it's kind of progressed over the last, like, I think it was, that was like four years ago that I decided that I wanted to be a tattoo artist. And it's taken four years for me to like, go through the stage of being like unemployed being at home like not having a job to being an apprentice being unpaid losing my apprenticeship getting another one losing that one starting another one yeah like they when you get an apprenticeship it's not like it's not always set in stone like that's that's it you're in now like they could just decide well in my case they decided that they didn't want me anymore and they just got rid of me is that because you had a really distinctive style I didn't have this distinctive style until I started um, at this current shop um, two and a half years ago. Okay. So this is very, it's still quite a new style that I have. Um, before I did a lot of like um, floral pattern work, neo-traditional stuff, stuff that was already out there because I thought if I could fit into that style, it'd get me a better chance of getting a job because I'd be good at something that was already out there instead of trying to propose something new when I was trying to look for a job so yeah this was this only happened after I started tattooing and you said that it wasn't to do with kind of knowing people and being in part of a crew yeah. but do you find that once you're in there it is quite clicky um, 
oh god it's so clicky <laughs> oh my god everyone knows each other especially leicester like leicester is quite a small town and i think um there's a lot of tattoo studios and everyone knows everyone here as well yeah. so like if you go down the street there's chances that you'll probably see somebody that you know um yeah so when i got my first apprenticeship i found it impossible to get another apprenticeship because my boss had then told everybody that i was worthless blah blah blah, blah. so i moved to london and got an apprenticeship because nobody knew me there i ended up moving back to leicester because there was um this place and they didn't actually know me from my previous job so yeah i got to like start fresh but even then i still had things about myself like oh i was really apparently i was really lazy and i was um there's other stuff as well. I can't remember now. This was a while ago, but they do like they do. It was really clicky. Like um, the best chance of you getting an apprenticeship was if you were friends with somebody that already tattooed, or you like were a friend of a friend that already tattooed. And do you think that was because you were a woman, or do you think that was because that you were a Asian? Asian um, so I didn't know these white men because I'm a little Asian girl. So it was it was close to impossible for me to get into their friendship group. Like I was, I was 18, I'd finished college, quite academic and I kept to myself and I wasn't that person that like went out drinking a lot or like socialized a lot. So I had to get in like another way. But my first apprenticeship, he hired me because Asian people work hard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> genuinely yeah that's what he said wow. he was like i hired you because indian people work hard and i was like we're not building a train track in india you know like it's not <laughs> it's not like that we're here to draw and like clean that's insane but at that point i was like i was really naive i was like oh my god being indian got me a job so like yeah. there's there's one there's one of two ways to look at it but then thinking about it now that was horrific that was such an awful thing to say to somebody yeah. like i hired you because you're like of my colonial list view on what Indian people are like. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that genuinely stunned me. I'm like, what? That's insane. Um, do you find that now that you're established that people are kind of a bit more open to you and a bit more friendly and, and nicer to you? Yeah, I guess so. Like, I think if people know about me and my work, then, yeah, they'll be so supportive about it. But it's like that awkward, like, Uber ride now and then when they're like, oh, you a student? I'm like, no, I'm not a student. And they're like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I own a shop. And they're like, oh, what kind of shop? And I'm like, God's sake. Um, I have to tell them that I'm a tattoo artist. And they're like, oh, tattoos, really? But you're Asian. And I'm like, oh, God. And it's literally like every Uber ride. So now I've got this rule, like, I don't tell people what I do. <laughs> But the thing is, it's like, Leicester is a very Asian city. Yes. And there must be a lot of people who want to have tattoos, but have been put off because, you know, it's it's just for white people. Yeah. Or it's just they don't feel comfortable or because of cultural things yeah. kind of holding them back. I guess that you must get a lot of custom from people who are now, who feel a bit more um, comfortable with you. Yeah, I guess, like, a lot of people say that, well, a lot of the things that people do say to me is they want to this specific tattoo by me because I'm an Asian woman and I'd understand the meaning or the reasoning behind why they want this tattoo more than a white person would which makes complete sense like I do a lot of like um Indian tribal tattoos which would make sense that I did them because I know about them but like compared to somebody else that just thinks they're pretty like I guess it's a whole different thing, isn't it? It just makes people more comfortable. And we, we can have these sort of conversations. Like, we were talking the whole way through. And, like, 
I think a lot of it is like our relatability to each other. Like yeah. we must have grown up similar ways, yeah. so we can relate to each other on that way, and that's that's important because it's a really intimate process getting a tattoo. Like you're sitting with someone and someone's hurting you. Like you need to have a certain level of comfort and trust to be able to do that with someone. Yeah. You know, like obviously we've only just met today, but. You know me, like I, we've spoken before, like we have that, we have some similarities and that's why it makes the process easier and more comfortable. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about um, the tribal tattoos oh, yeah. and, you know, some people kind of being like, oh, it's quite pretty and that kind of thing. Do you find, how do you feel about the notion of cultural appropriation and getting someone and someone saying, oh, I think that's a really nice design. Can you just do it for me without understanding what the meaning of it is? I don't do them on people that aren't South Asian. I know that's really awful. Like all my designs, they're all South Asian inspired, but I will tattoo them on everyone because you don't have to be South Asian to own a South Asian painting. Yeah. So like if they went to India and bought a painting like that, no one's going to bat an eyelid. And it's a similar thing. Like I'm a South Asian person and they've come to me to have South Asian artwork. There's no appropriation there. What is appropriation is taking something that's tribal and that's, that means a lot and that represents a lot to a lot of people and just thinking it's pretty. So I don't tattoo them on non-South Asian folk. Like most of the people that have Jajva designs are their mothers, grandmothers, aunties, or they've been around those sort of tattoos for like since they've grown up and that's, they they understand a little bit more about where they've come from. I've not put a rule on it where like you have to be this kind of South Asian, like you have to have, you have to be Gujarati or you have to like be from this village in India or anything like that. I think if you're South Asian, you have a right to wear South Asian travel tattoos. It makes like, to me, that makes sense. Obviously somebody else could like completely disagree with that. But like, for me, I think South Asian women, we all bear some sort of traumas. And I think part of getting... So the reasoning behind women getting those tattoos was because it gave them a sense of value. So if they wore these tattoos, they had money, so they could afford to get these tattoos, which means they could afford to pay a dowry and get married. So that was one of the reasons people got these tattoos. And I think it does represent like a whole um, culture and the patriarchy within South Asian culture. That's why I think I shouldn't limit it to one specific group of South Asian women it should be a right to all South Asian women or even just South Asian people in general and have you had any kind of um I guess backlash is a strong word but have had any comments from the male community about using their their tribal tattoos no 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 haven't nobody's actually said anything to me the only backlash i get is when somebody that isn't a south asian wants a south asian tattoo and i say no and they're like well you're creating borders and like barriers and stuff or just barriers and i'm like i'm not creating barriers though like this is like why can't the thing that really irritates me is that people can't just appreciate things from afar like why this fascination with like having to have something and having it as your own is really problematic like you can like things but it doesn't mean you should have them for yourself especially when they're not part of your upbringing like these tattoos mean so much to so many people yet you just want them because they're cute like like people don't see the issue in that and it's really it's kind of worrying like where is your humanity in this yeah 
but I don't know. That's the only backlash I've really gotten from it. Um, and in terms of backlash from the wider community, just for being a queer 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 South Asian woman. It's usually like that older generation. My mum, bless her, like she was like, "God, oh, no one's gonna marry you." Like, look at how how you look and what are your in-laws gonna say and stuff like that. And it was just oh, it's so. But like that's all she knows, isn't it? Like I can't be mad at her for thinking like that because for her, like growing up, you you grew up, we got an education, got married, and everything led up to you getting married, and that's it. Yeah. Like for me, it's like I have a career, I have like my own sense of truth that I need to find but for her it's just like getting married is the be all and end all and when I say things like I don't even know if I'm gonna get married she just shits herself (laughs) sorry I don't know if I'm allowed to swim (laughs) but she basically just like she just gets terrified she's like oh my god what if my daughters don't get married I've got a sister she's married she's already had that like wedding malarkey done and dusted like it's my turn to just kind of like figure out who I am as a person and I remember like before I had tattoos I felt really self-conscious about myself and I didn't like myself very much and I used to like have dreams where I'd be covered in tattoos and I felt so like like, confident and comfortable with myself and then I'd wake up and I didn't have any and I'd feel really upset about it so it's so strange like I know that it's probably not a big deal to people but I think I don't know it just I feel like this is how I'm supposed to be. Like, this is how I'm supposed to look. I'm not supposed to look any other way. So you don't feel like you have to kind of cover them up when you go to Asian functions? I do. I do. You do. (laughs) I just don't want the hassle. Like, it's not because I'm embarrassed about them. I just can't be bothered with the shit people have to say. Like, there was... I went to a wedding this year, and I had bright blue hair, and I had my, like, sleeveless brows on, and I was wearing a sari, and people were looking at me, and somebody was like, oh, who are you? And I was like, I'm your cousin. Like, I'm literally your first cousin. (laughs) And the fact that you don't know, like, you don't recognise, like, this is what I look like is kind of worrying. Like, oh, yeah, actually, family, I don't know. But, um... Can I just explain that Helena doesn't have, like, tattoos covering her face or anything. Her face is, you know, just, is is artwork free. Yeah, so... How would they not recognise you? I don't know. I think it was the blue hair more than anything. My hair's not blue anymore, but it was bright blue. Um, but I do have tattoos all of my hands and my arms and my fingers and, like, a few dotted around on my legs and stuff. But that doesn't change the way that I look as a person. Like, I yeah. still... I remember, like, meeting someone and they were like, oh, my God, you look normal. Like, you just look like a normal... Like, yeah. South... Like, I think she maybe thought I would look like a very tattooed person, like maybe like have them all over my neck and maybe look a bit hardcore, really. Right. But I just look like a very average South Asian woman. Like if I wore like a long sleeve jumper and like covered my hands, just, just look like a normal like South Asian woman. Do you have any plans to kind of get tattoos all over your neck and things like that? Like because you have quite a few haven't you so do you plan to do more i do plan to do more but not on my like neck i don't know i think i can say things now like i'm not gonna get like my neck and my face tattooed but you never know like when i'm in my 50s i might just be like fuck it i'm just gonna like go all around i mean by that point it's like who gives a shit yes exactly like i think at this point i really like looking not tattooed if that makes sense like I like being able to like switch between it like I like being able to look like an average Indian girl and then like like wear 
short sleeves and I'm like, whoa, like, where did all that come from? Like, I love that. Like, it's like, I've got like this double life, but um, there might be a time where I'm just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to look like this one side of Helena all the time. And if you had any words of advice for anyone who wants to get into it, whether male or female, mm-hmm. but especially for the girls who would like to get into it, what would you say? As in, like, getting tattooed or getting into tattooing? Getting into tattooing, but maybe both. Yeah. So if you want to get tattooed, because I get a lot of messages from, like, young South Asian girls that are like, I live with my parents and I can't have tattoos because they will kick me out of the house and stuff like that. Um Put them in places that they can't find them. <laughs> That's what I did with my first one. Yeah, like, you can have tattoos. Just, like, hide them. Like, you're not going to live with your parents for, like, until you're, like, 50. You know, there will come a time in your life where you'll be like, oh, I wish I just did this, like, back then. Um, people that want to get into tattooing, draw like your life depends on it. Like, literally, you have as much chance as anybody else as long as you can prove that you're going to work hard and you're going to be worth putting the time into because I have an apprentice and I think um, the thing that made me want to have her as an apprentice was her ability to work hard so yeah just you need to show that you can work hard and not just because you're Indian but yeah thank you not because you're Indian and Indian people work hard but because you're just a general hard-working person well, thank you very much, Helena, for both the uh, chat and the tattoo, which I absolutely love. When it stops dripping with blood, I can't wait. I hope I'm oh, going to. Oh, was it? I thought I dripped on someone's coat there. Um, but yeah, thank you very, very much. No, thank you. It was really fun. It was lovely meeting you. Well. And you. All right. Bye. Thank you, Helena, for taking the time out to talk to me because she had another client straight after me, but she we managed to kind of squeeze some time in yeah. for a quick chat in her very yeah. busy studio. Um, we, If you want to find out more about Helena, you're intrigued to see what kind of style she has and you just want to know where you can get a design from her and how to how to go about it, check out her Instagram as well. Yeah. It's Helena Tattoo, so it's H-E-L-E-N-A Tattoos. And there's an at at the beginning of that as well. There's an at at the beginning there, just to make you happy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, at Helena Tattoos. And you can also see Jojo B's design on her page as well. Um, So make sure you like and comment, say that you heard about it here on the Native Immigrants podcast on her page uh, to give us some uh, some traction. And also support. If you're going to get a tattoo, it's really lovely to be able to support are British Asian tattooists. Yeah. I don't know about the males. There probably are some male tattooists sure out there. Plenty. But I came across Nikki and I came across Helena and I'm so proud to be repping their work on my body. Yeah. Um and I think I can't give them a greater review than that, that I just actually let them permanently mark my body. Yes. Um with their work. And I would highly recommend them. They've they they're so like gentle as well. Like it didn't really didn't hurt that much. Awesome. Uh, Sign of a good tattooist. Yeah. If you cry like a baby when you get a paper cut, you may want to reconsider the idea of a tattoo yeah. or toughen up slightly. Yeah. Um. But it's quite an addictive feeling. Mm. I warn you now. Once you start, it's like oh, there's a spot here that would be quite nice. I've got a couple of spots that I think would be quite nice for some small tattoos. <laughs> 
I've seen plenty of pictures of you with plenty of spots. So shut up. Uh, you know, nice young, jo- young Jojo. Um, but yeah, no shout to to Nikki and Helena because you know they've you know embarked on a career that would have probably been quite uh, frowned upon amongst yeah, our communities. They've talked about it and yeah, they've said you know, they've, they've they've faced their hardships. Yeah, but they have broken those barriers and are trying to make it easier for a new generation to come through. Absolutely, um, and like you said, they they've clearly will have another. 10 20 30 years in the game and they're only going to improve yep you know on what their current high level is um and so get them while they're cheap um (laughs) is what i would say um not that tattooing is cheap but you know who's to say in the next 10 years time when they're so high in demand you know you ain't gonna be able to afford it and you were like shit i should have got it all the way back in 2019 2020 when i had the time so um, I would get in touch with both of them. They've got a pretty decent waiting list. Uh, I know with Jojo yeah, I think was... they're taking um, bookings for like February, March next year. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, if you're going to get tattoos, you know, embrace your roots, embrace your culture, you know, on them. Uh, because our people, our communities have a, a such a massive rich history of tattooing um, from, you know, from ancient times all the way till today and i feel being british and being asian is always about embracing both sides of that culture and this is one of the best ways to showcase that um so support your local british asian tattoo places specifically the females shout to the ladies and thank you so much to helena and nikki for um putting a little bit less food in my mouth because the amount of jojo b spent on these tattoos can I just ask you a question we haven't covered yet? Go on. Do you have any tattoos, do my love? Do I have any tattoos? Uh, well, I do not. And there's a very, very specific reason for that. Is because I don't like needles. I hate needles. I'm going to put it out That's there. That's a fair enough I thing. don't like injections. I don't like blood tests. I don't like sewing. I don't like, uh, I, you know, I couldn't even look at the, the eye of the storm because of the needle in it. Uh, I couldn't look at haystacks in case there's a needle in there. Um, I don't like uh, seeing someone needle someone on the street. You don't know? try and pass a camel through the yeah, eye of the needle. eye of a needle, exactly. Um, I hate needles. I've never been able to look at a needle. I hate anything penetrating skin via a needle i can't look at it i don't like looking at injections i don't look at blood tests i have absolutely no desire to have any needle enter my skin unless it's for a medicinal reason i would lo- i love the notion of having a tattoo i just uh i'm in no means uh wanting to partake in the process of getting it done so in summary you hate needles I hate needles. Okay. I do not like needles. Like, you know, I can't do it. I can't. The thought of it happening is the, is the same as like you scratching on a chalkboard for like three hours straight. I just can't even know that's not happening. Um, but I, I, you know, if I, I would love to get a tattoo done if there was an alternative way of doing it. Uh, but there isn't. Like a stamp. Like a stamp. Yeah. Well, like a, a brandish. So fucking like some cow style. <laughs> um, you know. Pain, pain threshold. I think it might be a little bit worse than needles. 
Um, but yeah, I yeah, it's not not for me, unfortunately. Okay, I think we've established that he will not be getting any tattoos because he does not like needles. Yeah, but it was a question that everyone wanted to know the answer to. So no, I thought I would absolutely, ask. absolutely, and you know, like I, you know, I've been you know, told in the past, like you know, you look like the kind of guy that would have tattoos. I don't. <laughs> There's a simple answer to that. I've been told a lot of things about me in the past. You look like you you could like you smoke weed, you know, bruv. And I'm like. I don't. <laughs> like, really, you look like the kind of guy that eat meat. I don't. <laughs> these are actual, these are actual legitimate things that have been said to me in my life. I mean, what kind of person looks like the kind of person that eats meat? Exactly. That's the thing. It's like, you know, like, I'm, you know, I'm vegetarian. Is it, bruv? You look like the kind of guy who eats meat. That's a weird thing. I mean, the stoner thing, I could probably like, fair enough, some people do look like stoners, but you don't look like a stoner. I know a lot of stoners. You don't look like a stoner. No, no, I don't. I do look like, actually, to be honest, right now, I pretty much do. Yeah, um, now, because you've got like bright red eyes and, yeah, no you know, you can barely open live. them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not, not me. Hmm. Not me. Uh, anyway, we we digress. As we come to the end of this show. Don't we always digress? Yeah. If you um, don't listen to us for our digressions, then what do you listen to us for? Just listen to us. You mean, we need the listenership at the moment because <laughs> we're coming to the end of this season. Of do you want to tell everyone about Old Wobble? Huh? Should we tell everyone about Old Wobble? Go on. So we had Wobble last week where we just were like, what's the fucking point? Yeah. You know, what do we do this for? And... I mean, I feel like this might have happened last year as well, around this time. But we just thought, you know, what's the fucking point of carrying on? Yeah. And this is not a kind of get the violins out or tell us how much you love us. Although that would be nice. Um, we just genuinely just weren't sure if we should bother with this anymore. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's such a... Because of the scarcity of our time um, and then, you know like recording it, finding the time to record, not being at your 100% best because of like crazy times to record it and then not being able to put the show out as regularly as we'd like to because of umpteen number of different, um, you know, occurrences that happen, mostly baby related. And we hold our hands up. We do know we have been really shitty with our, you know, timings and our regularity. Yeah, it's not been, it's not been as, you know, we thought by stretching it out to every two weeks, it would actually help the process. If anything, it's hindered it because even at two weeks, we, we couldn't have the time to, to fit in, to record the show. And so, yeah, it's been like, you know, there's been a lot of soul searching on whether, you know, there is a future for the Native Immigrants podcast. And to be honest, it's still up in the air. You know, we we haven't uh, committed to anything wholeheartedly, hundred uh, percent as of yet. But this is going to be the penultimate show of season two. We've got one more before we decide to take a little break and then reflect on what we want to do going forward. I hope that we will be back. Yes, in the new year. Um. I'm pushing for it. I'm pushing for it. I know that I have been the source of a lot of the 100%. procrastinating. Um, you, you know, you if you listen to the last show, you'll know that I haven't probably been in the best place. Um, but I'm hoping that things will get better next year. Yes. And I'm starting to feel a bit more positive about life. Yeah. Handling it a bit better. Yeah. So as long as Bubs doesn't keep, you know, dragging me down with all of the nursery illnesses, we should be all right. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but you know, it it also you know it comes as a two way thing. You know, if our listeners still feel that there's a place for the native immigrants uh, in their lives, then you know we're we'll always continue doing what we do. You know, um, and you know we put out the show for ourselves first and foremost, but also for our listeners. And it's through the support of our communities that we've been able to come this far, forty odd shows you know, of this podcast and hopefully long may it continue. But, you know, we, uh, you know, our life now is getting busier and busier and busier and then finding the time, you know, in between all that to record the show and, you know, put the show out is, uh, you know, it's yeah, a little bit, a little bit difficult. Um, but we'll strive to do whatever we can to ensure that you still get those topics of agenda on a, on a bi-weekly basis um, and tackle all the things that our communities need to discuss because if not us, then who else is doing them? So we'll leave you on that reflection as we're back in two weeks' time for what is our season two finale, and which will be uh, an end of decade review show. End of a decade. This is the end of a decade. A lot has happened in the the tens. The ten. Uh, yeah. What do we call this? I don't know. Um, because we had the noughties. This is the teens. The tens. Tens. Of teens, teens. Maybe teens. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's been. It's been an interesting ten years. It's been an interesting time, as Joe Jimmy would say. And we will discuss it on our next show. So until then, people, I'm Swami Barakas. and I'm Jojo B. And we're signing off. Peace.